praise him, praise him. Great. Put your hands together, really. Exalt him. Will you put your hands together? Lord, we exalt you. Lord, we exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you, our King. We exalt you, our King. Go ahead. Lift it up to him. Lift it up to him. King Jesus. King Jesus. King of kings. King Jesus. Will you say that to him? You're King Jesus. Tom, if you put up Hebrews chapter 12, the 28th verse in the King James Version. Just keep playing. together wherefore are we say us say me receiving say receiving a kingdom say a kingdom which cannot be moved close your eyes and say Lord today I'm receiving another measure of you as king and your kingdom Lord, today, we are receiving another measure of Jesus Christ, the King, and His kingdom. Lord, we're receiving that today. Lord, we're receiving that individually. We're receiving that corporately. We're receiving a King and a kingdom. Another measure today. Lord, we worship you. Come on. Let him break through. Let his kingdom come. Let him break through into this dimension. And let us enter into his dimension. Lord, we're receiving a kingdom. We're receiving your kingdom today. We're receiving a king. King Jesus. Tom, I want you to put Matthew chapter 16 up there for me. 28th verse. King James Version. Just lift your hands and worship Him for a moment before we even read this. Worship Jesus. Worship the Lord right now. He's looking to and fro over all the earth. Chronicle says, looking for someone he can show himself strong in. A generation, a people that Jimmy said who weren't but are now. Say, God, that's me. Looking to and fro for a man, for a woman to show them himself strong through. Lord, better be us as your corporate body. Let it be me as your individual son. Let it be us. Let it be me. Let it be us. Let it be me. Just call on him, will you? Call on him. Call on the Lord Jesus. Call on him today. Receiving a kingdom. Receiving a king. 
receive you. We receive your kingdom, Lord. For the lives of every individual here, and for this church and this community and this city. playing and singing if you want to rehearse with us any encounter you had with the Lord Jesus during this fast a revelation a dream, whatever it is an impartation something that he did and you remember and you want to give him glory for it and rehearse that with the body of Christ why don't you come on up and take this microphone and release what you received from him For me, this was the hardest fast I've ever done. I, it was just like I felt hit from every side. I was sick from the beginning, and it just made it really difficult for me. But I tell you what, I'm expecting such great things from God. I cannot wait. I am awaiting expectantly to see. But i got to tell you, God moves so fast. Because one of the things I was praying for, uh, even started Sunday night, but even Monday morning I started praying and immediately, it was something for my son. And immediately, probably at 10 o'clock Monday morning, I got a text. And it was already, God was already moving in his life. And I was so excited. I thought, God, you are so fast. You are so amazing. And I got to tell you, it doesn't stop there. You know, we, we fasted for more than one day. We fasted for more than, you know, 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, God, you're so fast. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. I have 
great expectations of God. Great expectations. Not just for my family, but for my family. And for this city. And for this nation. And for the people of God in this world. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. Anyone else? I don't, I don't remember which night it was, but um, after coming up and praying, and, and um, I think it was in the evening, I don't know. But I, I just so sensed, you know, we have said so much, you know, we're preparing for, we're getting ready for, we're preparing for. And um, being, being in this athletic family-minded thing, it was we've, we've had a lot of practice. <laughs> And I, I just felt the Lord impress me sitting back here one day. You, you've been practicing, you've been practicing, but the game's about to begin. And I believe the game is about to begin, and it's time to get off the bench and get in the game because it's about to begin. And I, I believe we're going to see great things. I, I believe with all of my heart greater things have yet to come in this city and in this place. The game's about to begin. Anyone else? You know, Craig, and there in Matthew 16, it says, There will be some standing here which shall not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. In the same way, and it's been spoken several times in the last few months especially since the elections and the result of the elections I think so many of us had anticipation and were were praying for a different outcome because where God is pushed out evil resides and it's the same thing in our schools. I found myself praying as much for our school systems as I was praying for the leaders of this nation. Because where God is not allowed in, evil resides. Several times this year it's been called to my attention that even though our nation is going to be coming under some difficult times in the years to come. We, as his people, aren't going to be touched. If he is your Lord and you are following him, you're not going to be affected like the people who aren't. The presence of the Holy Spirit in teachers is taken to the classroom every day. Even though you might be restricted by governing bodies as to what you can do, what you can't do, what you can say, and what you can't say, the presence of the Lord in you every day is taken to that classroom. And it's there. It's present in you. They feel that. They know it's there. 
that is the hope that some of them have. That's the hope that some of those kids ever have. But it's been spoken to me several times that even though this nation in the next few years is going to be on hard times, God's people will not. And I thank him for that. Just for, for, for our confirmation for this week, uh, I've, I've picked up two new businesses this week for, for, for my business that, that was just a gift from God. And we just thank him for that. Good word. Thank you. Good word. Anyone else? Good word. Good word. rise for a moment. I want to reiterate something and that Butch had just said and uh, I want to continue on with it. When, when seeking God about the nation and all these things, and we've had words for 2013 that you're returning to simplicity. Amen? Getting out of complexity and all that junk and returning to simplicity and returning with things that are remaining, right? God told us that at the beginning of the year. Remaining things. His word, His will. Returning, right? Say returning. And then we said returning the meaningful things. God, family, memories, making memories. Amen? But I, this whole week of praying and, and, and praying about the nation, I, I believe there's a furthering word, an, an awakening word, a furthering word about our nation. And, and it's really in line with what Butch is saying and everybody's hearing it and saying it. And I want to say the same thing. And as I begin to pray here, I don't know what I think it was a Monday. And I was standing right over here. I saw the words defining in large bold print definition these are days of defining of defining no longer by men's perceiving but god's defining these are the days where black will be more black white will be more white these are the days where things will be more light and things will be more dark these are the days where there'll be things more pure and the unpure ezekiel says these are the days where there's unclean will be unclean and the clean clean Joel said, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And that's been going on, and we've been prophesying that. But people that are remaining in indecision, the decision's being made for them. These are the days where things that are sheep look more like sheep. Things that are goats look more like goats. These are the days. Amen? No more mixtures. Gray matter is disappearing. Light is coming. Say, that's good news. That's good news. The decisions that you've made with the Lord, God marks that and places you among that next thing with God. People who don't, 
The definition is made by the scripture, not by men's perception. When I was over there, it doesn't really matter what men perceive, what men call a leader in a nation or nations. It's divine, defined by God's scripture that can't be broken. No more mixture. You know, a lot of people will say, hey, this is a comedian. Uh, I got one guy in mind right now. This guy's a comedian. But no, that's how we define that and perceive that. But the bottom line is how God's scriptures define that individual is he's an unclean man with an unclean spirit. That's true definition. Say definition. The good thing is all of our perceptions that aren't in line with his scripture and definition will just go away. And we'll get clear. Say clear. I woke up this morning with a dream. And I saw that door fly open. And two, I don't know what it was. It's like two entities. And I believe they're from God. Threw that door open. And that light came in. A brighter light came in. Stronger light came in right over here over a man. And this man was sitting right here. And he was like he was hiding. But then when the light came, he closed his eyes and he said, oh. And he kind of went, oh. And there's a brighter light coming. Through you. Through me. In this hour. That's what God's doing. People tell me, uh, they say, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. And I, I was praying right here on this. I don't know what day it was on the fast. Right here. And, and it's like, God said, what do you want? What do you want? You can sit down. You can sit down. I'll go ahead. What is it you want? And in my early years, when I first got born again, I really didn't know what I wanted. And some of you are in that place. Hey, what, do I, what do I want? I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. And that's a good place to be naturally because that shows that it's not just about you or about your ambition. It's not, you really don't know. And people used to say, well, do you know what you want? Yeah, I want to do this. I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. And it's a lot of it's just out of human ambition, right? But I want to encourage that next generation and a younger generation. I've gotten calls all this week and they say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, that's okay. As long as you're born again and as long as you're in Jesus Christ. And from the beginning of my new birth experience, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I said, God, what do do I want? I don't even know. All these people seem to know this and know that. I don't know anything. And right here, Psalms 37 says it like this. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is a way of God. And if you feel like you're on this fast and you were waiting on God and you didn't know what you wanted and you just said, I'm just doing it out of obedience and I really don't know what I wanted. I want you to make that shift as you're waiting and fasting. That becomes a delighting. And the way of God is delight yourself in the Lord. And you know what David said? David said as you're delighting yourself, as you're waiting upon God, as you're enjoying the Lord, as you're actually searching out the Lord, whether it's times of fasting like this or the days to come, next generation or whoever you are. It could be older people. They do the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I found this principle from day one. I didn't know, but as I delighted myself in the Lord, he says he gives you, say gives you, the desire of your heart. David said it was the desire of your heart. Solomon said it was a divine planted thing from God. Throw up, uh, uh, what is it, Ecclesiastes 3.11 in the Amplified Bible. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, and when you're on this fast, you go, I don't know what I want, what I want. And as you're delighting and searching with the Lord, that divine desire that David said is in there. You think it's you, it's God's desire planted in you. It's 
3.11 in the Amplified. Here we go. Let's read it together. This, David said it's the desire of your heart. Solomon said he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has set the world in their heart. Has set the world in their heart. Uh, yeah, thank you. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also planted. Say planted. See, that's David's desire. The de- called your desire. After delighting, this is Solomon's revelation of the same thing David was saying. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts. Say, there's a planted desire. Say, there's a planted eternity in my heart. There's a divine desire. And it begins to reveal itself as, I'm delighting in God, David said, Psalms 37. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose. Working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That's how you find out who you're to be, what you're to do. It's already in you. Say, it's in me. It's a divine desire. It's a heavenly planting. And I find it by delighting in God. That thing that's hidden becomes to light. Mark those divine desires as you're waiting on God. And you know what you'll do? You'll search for them. You'll begin to find them. But then you've got to cry out for them. You got to, that's what he does. He puts a desire in your heart so you cry out. And cry out, Lord, okay, this is what it is now. This is your desire in me. And don't be robbed for a second as you start crying out that desire when Satan tells you, you don't know what that means. That's the most religious statement. Oh, don't ask for wisdom. You know what? You're going to get uh, persecution. That's stupid. That's religious. God planted that desire. You call for that desire. It's his will. And you're going to do it anyway. Amen? So don't be afraid. Call for that desire. I remember when I, when I first started happening, I didn't know. And I began to call out that desire. And, and I began to cry out for it. And then it began to appear and manifest and be confirmed. Whether it's direction or whether it's giftings or whatever it may be. Say there's a divine desire in me. It's a divine planting. And you're going to find that as you're in a div- delighting with the Lord. So you're going to say, I know what he wants. That's what I'm calling out for. It's not just human ambition. It's none of that. It's that divine thing that he made you. And all you got to do is delight yourself. Say delight. That's waiting upon God. That, you know what it really means in the Hebrew? It says it's being soft before God. So if you hadn't done it during that fast, start doing it as a part of your life. And that's going to further you into the will of God. You know, we were praying here, I think, every day. We were praying Hannah's prayer, right? And it said, uh, one of the, one of the high, highlights was, don't forget your handmaiden. But, but you give, a, give me a son, she said. And I will give him to the Lord as his life. We're crying out for that. Crying out for that. Birthing, right? No more void things. Birthing things. Amen. I'm done with that one there. So I want to go on. I'm going to further with 2013, a furthering word. If you want to sit down, you can sit down. It's all right. Don't get you tired. So 2013, more than man's perceiving, the defining of the Lord. The Lord's defining. That's good news, and that's going to liberate us. If you had a perception about yourself or perceived a certain thing, and it wasn't God's certain thing, that's going to go away. And he's going to define that thing by the scriptures. Say the scriptures. 
He's defining things in, the, in this hour because black is black, white is white, darkness is dark, truth, you know, there's truth, more truth, more light. All that stuff is occurring. And in our nation, like Butch is saying, it's occurring. It's evident. It's coming to pass. People are, are pushed in groups, no longer in the valley of indecision, right? The decision starts to get made for us. And then we're either black or we're white. We're either of truth or a lie. We're either of those two sorts. And people are, it's, it's almost like a violent division all over the nation and people are gonna have to begin to take a stand and that's what you are doing right now you awaken yourself you're praying uh, the game has started yeah it has and you determine right now you're in that place with God part of this fast moves you right into that place of readiness and if you didn't fast no, don't condemn yourself just pick up whatever God tells you to do amen, amen. get involved right now in his kingdom yes. no more perceivings but by the Lord's definings I've been around, we, we were in uh, 2012, and people will call good evil and evil good. See, that's going away. Pretty, now people are starting to say, this is even a fast. This is what a fast is. Not what I think it is, but by the Lord's definition. This is what a, a born-again child of God is. Not by my thinking, but by his definition. This is what a leader is of a nation. If he calls good evil and evil good, the Bible defines him as a wicked leader. That's what the Bible says. If, if we, we could be nice to everybody. We could talk to Putin and say, oh, he's the, the president of Russia. He's a tyrant according to the scriptures. Amen. See, so make it more clear instead of being all bogged down in humanism. And that's a good news from God. No more mixtures, he said. Ezekiel said, hey, I'm calling for this thing. No mixtures. What's light is light. What's night is night. And that's happening. People, it, it's, it's going, it's at a violent pace, right? That's not bad news. That's good news, like he's saying for us. And in your individual walk, what you perceived about yourself, and it was a mental perception, God washes that away and said, here's my definition. Here's my definition. By my scriptures, the word, the spirit, and the scriptures define you. And now you've got something to stand on. John says the scriptures can't be broken. Say death defining. Distinction. That's what's going on. So when people will get all confused and say, well, you know, this guy, say, Putin, he's just a, he's the president of that. No, biblical definition, he is a tyrant. So you could say it as God says it. You could pray it as God prays it. Amen? Definition. Gray's going away. I was praying that over there. Gray's going away. From mixture to more clear. Many who have been in the valley of indecision are being slotted. No longer just halted. They're being slotted. No longer just halted. You guys that are involved with Facebook and all that, you hear that sound. You hear people saying that. The ones that were kind of in the middle saying, well, I don't know, man. Well, that guy's not that bad or this person's not like that. All of a sudden, you're, you're in this section and you're over here. And the ones with that belief system are over here. Things are more distinct. Amen? Valley of decision. People are being slotted. That goes across. That's in the nation. That's with leaders. Uh, It it happens in our nation. Pretty soon, if uh, people do continue doing unrighteous things like Butch is saying, and leaders have that portion, they're going to be slotted by Scripture, not by American thinking of what God defines them as, as a human being. And it would do them well to awaken. And we still pray for our leaders. Say, we still pray for our leaders. Regardless of the decisions that they make, the directions that they're taking, and the absolute anti-posture that they are in. 
We still pray for them because really truth of the matter is they mean nothing to me. But the position is a God's authority. All authority is given by God. And so I'm going to pray for that position. I don't really care about the individual. I care about that position that our generation has a peaceable life. And if that man takes that position by assumption or he takes it whatever, he's still in that position and that belongs to God. And God begins to squeeze that area of that individual. Amen? So keep praying for, your, for those in authority, presidents, dignities, and etc. 2013, you can write it down. A reemphasizing of Jesus the King and the kingdom. 2013, this is a furthering word. A reemphasizing of Jesus the King and the kingdom. What does that mean? What does that mean in the body of Christ? What does that mean? We're receiving a kingdom. And, I, and we prayed that a little bit today. We, 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 have, we must have, not the definition of the kingdom, but the spirit of the kingdom. We must have that. We can't have a definition of authority. We've got to have the spirit of it. And that's happening. I, I, you know, every time God gives you something, he usually confirms it with something. And, and uh, I, I had, last Friday was, a, was an outstanding week for me. On one day, I think I was here from 10 in the morning it was like till, was it till 4, I think, Anna, and then I, I went home for an hour, and then I talked till 6.30 at night, and every bit of it was the kingdom. Every bit of it was Jesus and the kingdom. Every bit of it had abundance of revelation. Every bit of it was downloads the whole time. I was amazed, and I got done at the end of the day, and I said, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it is. This is how it's supposed to function. Say the kingdom. You start, and, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak it regardless if it makes sense to you or not, whoever's listening or what have you. But, but there's men of a certain order that are starting to come together again. There was something that happened like this in 1988. And some men were delegated some authority from Christ, and they began to get together. And then some of those men, instead of honoring his kingdom, they made themselves king. And God kind of goes on and leaves that one generation. And people are sad, like, what happened, God? What happened to that thing? And then he brings it right back. And as much as I'm saying that there's distinctions, there's, there, there's going to be distinctions in that area as well. But he's bringing back this area of his kingdom. There's men and women. I just talked to one, for that, that one individual from Miami and another area. They're that kind. They're starting to awaken. Men of a certain order are starting to awaken again. And that means when they come together, the kingdom starts manifesting in a whole other order. Those kind of men, those kind of order. These, these are the men that have been in obscurity for a very, very long time. These are the men that are about to be like Moses to, to meet their burning bushes. These are the men that are like, like Joseph, that ministering to a few bakers and, and, and uh, what's the other is it? Uh, butchers and bakers. And God, you're going to hear that sound click. Here comes an open door. God's opening doors for those that have been obscure, those that he's called. He's called us for the kingdom for such a time as this. Stay for such a time as this. Called into the kingdom. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about God's government, but it applies to you individually. That your burning bush is about to come. When you felt obscure, when you felt like this, God still designed a purpose in your life. He didn't forget that purpose. You're born in the kingdom for such a time as this. You forget the wasted time. Live in the right now. That's his kingdom. Amen? And so these men of a certain order are coming back together. It doesn't really matter their titles anymore. They're, they're born of that way of God before the foundations of the world. And God birthed those kind of men. As they come together, his kingdom starts to function. Not only in the area of the, just the church, but the kingdom. It's a big difference. And it's okay when, when, when you're, you're faithful over what God's saying. And it's okay to get people into the church, in, in, in his church. But he always designed it to go to the next step of his kingdom. 
What does that mean? Is that verbiage? No. It's his authority. It's his rule. It's a people. Amen? No more definition of the spirit of it. That's good news to me. His kingdom, we could use the verbiage forever, but I'm saying it's the spirit of it. Whether you call it Aaron's rod, the authority, whether you call these certain gift and these certain order men, it really doesn't matter to me. It's, it's the spirit of it that God gives. Say, not by the spirit. I mean, not by definition, but by his spirit. I told you in the 1980s that, that this was going on. I had, a, I had talked to a man and... And this guy was, uh, see, I don't care about the titles, and neither did this man. He called, and, and we talked, and he, he and I, I knew before I picked up the phone the kind of man he was. He was that man of that order. He was probably in his 60s. And, I, and I, before we got on the phone, I, got, I had that download. I said, I said Hi, yeah, I got your message, and, uh, and I began to talk, and I told him, I know who you are. I know what, what you are and what you do. And he goes, hey, thanks for that confirmation. I don't usually like to bring a, about a title, and it's not about titles, but it's about function. And when those kind of men start coming together, things start happening. And I know it's in that phase and that stages where these, these, these order of men are coming together, these giftings of men are coming together. And when that happens, there's a synergy of God and there's a download of God. And I tasted of a earnest in 1988. And when he brings it back in that way, you'll taste that and experience that in a whole other dynamic. And it's a real way. It'll change your life. And it's the spirit of Christ as king in the kingdom. It takes you out of nominalness. It takes you out of pretense. It, it places something in your life where you know there's a demand that, I, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? So that's the kingdom. And it's starting to happen. And, and, and I, when I'm telling you these things, it's not like they don't go with confirmations. That Friday, that, that Friday, I had a download from God in order of revelation that I usually don't get of that level. I had that download. I said, God, you're amazing. I didn't even have time to search it out in Greek and commentaries like I love to do for the safety. And I said, you're amazing. And then I had that, that call. And then I had a, a, a child come with their mother, and they, needed, they were dealing with some demonic stuff. It did not stop all day. That's the kingdom of God. And I said, this is why I was born. This is what this church is to be about. This is what it's to function like. The kingdom. And then you have witness after witness. I had a lady. I'm telling you my fast. I'll just tell you. I don't like to do it. I don't care about me. Say it's about Jesus. I'm saying that to that it's a confirming thing. That because you're in your head, you want what's real with God, and you're calling out what He's impressing on you in a pure way. And then you look for that confirmation. I was sitting here. I had to call Anna. A lady called. I need emergency counseling. I need emergency counseling. She came in here. She said. You're supposed to help me, but I believe God told me, and, I, and I, I hate to do this, but I believe God told me to give you $1,000. And I listened to her, and I said, okay. And then and I began to listen to her talk, and what I ended up doing is confirming what was real in her, confirming her gift, and I told her at the end of her story, you keep that money, because your story needs the money. My needs are met. She said, you know, I believe you this, you have this need, I want to give you $1,000. She's starting to write the check, and she began to unfold her life. I told her, no, you need that. You're the one that needs that. Thank you for your, you know, the confirming word of the kingdom, but you can keep that money. And that, that, those things, don't, the money doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that activity of God, drawing people, waking things, causing things to happen like that. That's the kingdom. I, I smile, and I'm elated. I said, that's the normal Christian life. That's the normal part of Christ when you're living in his kingdom. That's how it works. He confirms things. There's no pretending. You're waiting. He speaks, and he does. I had a great encounter, with, if it's permissible. I, don't, I totally, that's a solemn thing to me. 
You sure? Because I don't have to say a word. I met uh, Carmen's man. <laughs> I, and, and we met him, me and Anna, we met him, and, and he came in. And we were, we were just laughing and enjoying. It was no heavies at all. Just enjoying me talk a little bit about backgrounds or what have you. And then she texted me and asked me, what did you think about him? And without, because of where this guy's at, without even having to think about it, pow, that, that prophet, prophet stuff starts happening. Pow, you're, you're like, wow, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it as God's unfolding it. And pow, it's all, this is what he is. He's this kind of man. This is his order. This is that. This is that. And then she said, uh, wrote me back something. I'm paraphrasing after that. I probably should just read it. Can I read it? Okay. Wow. Listen, here goes Sam's life. Hope it wasn't, hope he wasn't a private guy. But I take it as a confirmation. When I told you at the end, that's the kingdom. That's how God works. That's what, that's what I'm used to. I'm not used to telling people, come to church. Come to church. I'm used to young men that see that thing and go, something happened in me when we met. That's the kingdom. I don't got to tell them, hey, will you come to church? Will you come to church? Would you like to come to church? And they're like, well, I don't know. Today it's, I'm sleepy. No. A man of God comes in encounter with a certain order and a certain gift in God, and you don't even tell him that? And you're not even talking about God? And he said, I perceive this just like Mary, just like Elizabeth. Something leaped in me when we met. I said, that's divine, and that's birth of God. I love that stuff. That's reality. That's the kingdom. And I long for more of that. That's, that's just the beginning. That's confirmation. That's a beautiful thing from Jesus when he said the kingdom. You don't sit there and beg people. You, you're there in, in how Christ made you. That mantle he gave you. People say, I, f- I feel that. It has an impact. I'm awakened. I don't know what it means. And you say, I do. Come on. Where is it at? Carmen, Carmen. She, she asked me, uh, let's see. I'm just telling you this for confirmation, okay? I, I really hate to get it. It's not just my life. All things, it, it speaks to your life. I'm just telling you my testimony on my fast, right? We talked, uh, where did Carmen start this? Oh, she starts out. We talked a lot about some other things. I was about to write her. But she said, what did you sense about him? And I said, he's mature beyond his years, that he's a responsible man. A man of responsibility. Deep inside, he's a guy who will get the job done. And that he is right in step and in the will of God for his life. Uh, then I put, I said, a depth of integrity. I like that about him. Light-hearted outside, but resolute inside. I like that, she wrote. I said, me too. And then she said this. He said when he met you, it sparked something in him. And he has... He has he has words spoken over him and like dreams of walking in an apostolic anointing, but, but he hasn't really been trained in it or begin to walk in it, walk it out. When, when he met you, he felt a spark that proved that, that you may be a pivotal point in his walk. And something about you fired him up. And, for, and it says, and for you, he doesn't know what, but senses something big's coming for you. And I go, amen to that. You bet. And that's the Lord, and I like that, and how he inside recognizes the Lord. When men of, of a certain order come together, that's when Elizabeth, womb, just by talking to each other, they greeted one another. How you doing? And that child leaped in their womb. They know something. That guy knows something in God. That's kingdom. He didn't get to get educated. You don't have to tell him, hey, he give, give him your degrees. He goes, hey, something's, this is that. Hey, how you doing, Mary? Oof, something's happened. That's kingdom. That's how you connect, right? And I say, when men of a certain order come together, that occurs like Mary and Elizabeth, that womb, the same order. When men of a certain order get together, that happens. Anyway, 
I can help him facilitate that. I'm there for him. This is how this works. The Lord strikes and ignites. Don't have to know a person forever. The Lord quickens and births things. So you bet. That is the Lord and that is his kingdom. That's what we wrote back. That's another confirmation. Say confirmation. See, God wants to establish his kingdom. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because I believe that's what he's doing. And he sends out that call once again. And people begin to answer that call. It does, you know, you, you're not, you don't have to plead with people. You don't have to beg people. In the church, it's going to the kingdom. So Matt, let's go to uh, Matthew 16. And we'll, we'll do a little teaching on some things. I'm not sure what verse I want. I think, Tom, give me the one where uh, uh, flesh and blood is not revealed. This Matthew 16. I was, say it again. Matthew, flesh and blood is not revealed. This with my Father in heaven. Okay. Okay. You saw it? Is it up there? Nice. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go back to it a little bit without having to make Tom go around. But the, basically it goes something like this. Matthew 13, Jesus began to call his disciples. And they began to follow. And he began to lead them, right? He, he led them through so many places and chapters. If you go through 13, he began to lead them through encounters of rejection. And we're all going to go this way, right? That's the way of the kingdom. He led them through uh, Matthew 14. He led them through politics and politicians. You can look at the scriptures in detail later. He led them into the, in the wilderness and, and proved that he was their provider. That was the 15th chapter. He, he led them out of, of leaven of Pharisees and all that stuff. And he kept going. Say so kept going. He led them all the way as he was going through these cities and these places and these encounters like you and I are to encounter all the time. And I'm going fast, but I, and I'll go back to it maybe another day. But he, he went through those places and, and, and the politics and, and all these things. He kept traveling, taking them through that, and they kept encountering that with him. Say with him. Until finally, it says geographically, he got to the 16th chapter, so to speak, far, far away from religion. Say religion. And almost in Gentile territory, if you look at the geographic thing at Matthew 16. And what it says geographically is at the bottom of Mount Hermon. Say Mount Hermon. He's at the foot of it. Say the foot of it. And, then he, and at that place, Jesus said, okay, you've experienced this with me. You've experienced that with me. And now you're going to experience a revelation in the next phase of the kingdom. Say the kingdom. And he says this. Let's go up one verse. Let's go up another verse. Let's go up one more verse. Let's go up another. Now, Jesus, when Jesus went to, into the region of Caesarea and Philippi, he, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Next verse. And they answered, some say John the, the Baptist, others say Elijah and Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he shifted it, right? And he does that with every one of our lives. And he said, but who do you yourself say that I am? Who do you say that I am? These guys are saying, I'm this, I'm that, 
I'm, 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 I'm just man. I'm, I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm that. But he said, who do you, who do you guys say that I am? In the next verse. He, and Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. Say the Christ. The son of the living God. He got the revelation of the kingdom, of the part of the kingdom, first order of who Jesus really is. And his answer said, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal it, but he said, you're the Christ. That word means the, 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 the one, the anointed one. You're the one. You're not just some man. You're not just some prophet. You're the Christ. You're the one. Say the one. You're the one. You're that Messiah. You're that one. You're the son of the living God. You're the incarnation. You're God in the flesh. You're our Emmanuel. You're not just a man. You're the incarnation. You're John's word became flesh. You're, you're, you house deity in your tabernacle. That's who you are. I see who you are inside. Peter said, I see something about you. You're not a prophet. You're not a man. You're not like Moses. You're the incarnation of God. You're God manifest in the flesh. You're Emmanuel. You are the one. And that's the first revelation when you come into the kingdom. Is you're the one. There's no other name in heaven and earth where men might be saved. There's no other person that God chose but his son. There's no one else. Paul said it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He says, you're, you're that one. And in that word Christ, everywhere else in, in the book of Acts, it talks about who are you? You're Lord and Christ. Say Lord and Christ. And that's the beginning of entering the kingdom, that Jesus Christ is the one. He's Lord. He's not just, you're not just have him as a subtle savior. He's Lord of your life. He's Lord. And that means he rules in your life. And you have nothing to say, but yes, that's, he's Lord. Everywhere else they'll say, Lord in Christ. All the rest of the times, Lord in Christ. He's the one and he's Lord. He's the one, he's the Lord. And that's the normal Christian walk. That's how it starts. The incarnation, he's our Emmanuel. We talk about the Holy, but he's in us. And we don't have any, any preferences. We don't have really any say. When I said that God works with us by the defining of the scripture and not how we perceive him to be, that's reality. Amen? When, when, when I talk to people through the years and they, and they tell me, I perceive this, and I tell them it's written in scripture. The scripture says, by the spirit of it, not the letter, the spirit of the scripture say, this is, how, this is what his word says. And then they walk away and say, well, I'll think about it. That's not the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is once someone comes to you and brings you the scripture with the spirit and you see it, you repent and say, sorry, I was wrong. God's right. Sorry, I was wrong. God's right. That's normal in the kingdom, in discipleship, in growth. You don't have the option to say, well, the, you know, the, the scriptures say, and, uh, and the spirit of it's there, and it's real in here. I don't know. Let me go think about it a little bit. No, you repent right then. That's what I'm used to. That's what you should be used to. Once, that, once Christ appears in the scripture, not just my mental perception, and says, this is it, you say, yes, sir. I turn. I change my thinking. This is the word of God. Say, the scriptures can't be broken. The definition, not just our perceptions, Christ in the word, the definition. And if you're not in line with that, just close your eyes. Whatever area that God spoke to you as you read his word, the scriptures, or somebody went to you and gave you the scriptures, and you casually just said, let me think about it, repent of that. That's part of the kingdom. Repent. The kingdom's at hand. 
And train yourself with God in that. If it's written in your word, it's the scriptures that can't be broken. My thinking, I don't care. Your written word is all about that. Then you'll get accuracy. Then you'll get fruitfulness. Then your way will be blessed. Then you won't live in deception. Amen? Thank God for his scriptures. So Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, you're the one, the son of the living God. First revelation is Jesus Christ, is he's the Christ, the one. He's the one, the only one, and he's Lord. And that's the entering of the kingdom. Every, everybody believes in their heart that he was raised from the dead and confesses with their mouth that Jesus, say Jesus, is Lord. He said Lord, ruler, magistrate, ruler. Amen? That's kingdom. Say, God, work that in me. You're the one. There's no options. You're the one. So the first revelation, he goes, and he goes like this. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Next verse. So if you're taking notes, first order of the revelation at the bottom of that mountain of the kingdom was Christ is Lord and the one. And then Jesus answered him and said, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and to be envied are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. It takes a revelation of God. How do you get revelations with God? Seriously, how do you get that? When I was young, I'd read the Bible and i go, this thing makes no sense to me. Matter of fact, I'm tired. It looks like ink. But what I did learn was, as I, the, when I started reading, that reading went to meditating. Say meditating. And Joshua said, meditate my word. Keep it before you. And then you're going to have good success. And then you're going to prosper in your walk. And then your life and say meditation opens the door for the revelation of Jesus. Obviously, Peter was on that mountain. God's presence is emanating from Jesus and he's meditating like looking who do men say they am? Oh, prophet of this. And Peter's meditating. And then that open heaven opens over his mind and his heart. And here's a revelation. And it bears witness in here, even though you can't wrap your mind around it up here. Say revelation. That means something's no longer hidden. That means something's no longer Closed, it's opened. It's open to you. And in the kingdom, that's what we live in and by. Revelation with Jesus. A revelation of Jesus. A revelation of his word. A word that washes us. Amen? Say, I'm going to meditate. You know how you meditate? You got something going on in your life. You wake up. You start thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is, that's called worrying. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bill. Say, that's called worrying. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm anxiety. And all of a sudden, a scripture comes to you and says, uh, take no thought for tomorrow, for it has enough evil in itself. And you know what you're supposed to do with that word? You're supposed to meditate it. You're supposed to draw the water out of that word. You're supposed to let that word become flesh in you. Touch your spirit. Touch your heart. Wash your mind. Renew it and transform it and live by the life of that very scripture because of what you're dealing with. Because you're doing it opposite by worrying. Worrying is the opposite of meditating. And God equipped his people to be meditators. He charged Joshua to do it. Just give yourself to that portion of God. Whatever he speaks to you, I tell people, journalize it. Meditate it. How do you meditate it? You go, wow, I don't know. Uh, don't take no thought for tomorrow. Okay, what is that? Okay, no, for tomorrow, that means I don't have to worry anymore. Jesus said worry and anxiety are not in the kingdom. I know he dealt with sin and lust and all those, those evil things. I know in Matthew 5, he said, hey, born-again kid, hey, on the top of this mount, I've given you the ability to live at this level. When you used to look at a woman to lust, it's a higher standard now. 
Don't even gaze there. Don't even go there. I've equipped you to go higher. I'm equipping you to get lust out of your life. That's God. Say God. Natural man, you can't shake it. Forget about it. Natural man, forget about it. Your imagination is bent, but God. Say, but God. And so he, he puts that standard on the, in the kingdom, but he gives us the answer with that. That's real life. So you start meditating that. Instead of worrying that what you're doing anyway, the opposite is worry, which means you're thinking a lot over and over and over again, but it becomes complexity and it's in the wrong tree, and you're struggling, right? And God speaks a clear word to you, an impacting word to you, and then you begin to assimilate it. Say assimilate it. Sometimes I'll be in here. And I'll be saying, I don't know what's going on, God. And I'm talk, I'll talk out loud. I'll take this tape recorder because I know in a minute, as I'm talking, as Craig, I'm going to hear something from the Lord. And as I talk, I don't know what's going on, God. What are you saying? What are you doing? And all of a sudden, as I'm doing that, that's part of meditating. I'm muttering. Say muttering. I'm talking out loud. I don't look like some madman maybe out there, but all these windows are closed, and I'm talking out loud. And you could do it in your car. You drive down the road. You're talking to everybody in the earth anyway. They don't know who you're talking to. You're muttering. How does this really work? Man, I've been struggling with this. How's that? And then the word comes to you. And all of a sudden, as you're muttering it, as you're talking it, and you begin to pray it, the light comes. The life comes. The impact comes. The transformation occurs as you're doing that with the word. Say the word. And then you're renewed and you're transformed. And now you see in a different state of mind. That's meditation. Say meditation. People try to do it in Hinduism and Buddhism and people, and people in religious church going, we can't meditate. Jo- Joshua, through the, by the Lord through Joshua, said, meditate my word. Ponder it. Think about it. And then get affected by it, right? So you've got to know that's how Peter had his encounter. Maybe out of all the guys, they were thinking, he, he started thinking, who is Jesus? Who does he say he is? You've got to know that God's always wanting to reveal himself to you. Just open your heart and your mind to him. Then he answered and said, blessed, happy, and fortunate to be envied, are you? Flesh and blood has not revealed it, say revealed, but my Father is in heaven. Next verse. And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, a large piece of rock. So every revelation you get about God, he gives one about you. I found that to be true every time. Every time he tells you, this is who I am, he tells you, this is who you're to become. It's always simultaneously. You're saying, man, I struggle with guilt. I struggle with condemnation. I struggle with whatever it is, inadequacies. I struggle with that. And he reveals himself, I'm this, and you're this. You're to become this. And I tell you, you're Peter. You're not Simon. He doesn't call him Simon. You're, you're a rock right now. And every time you get a revelation of who I am, you become stone solid. You become so solid in God, solid in your life. And he goes, you're a rock on this rock, Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar. I will build my church. Number two, first is a revelation of Jesus, right? Number two is a revelation of his church. And he, so he, the Lord, he goes, here, here, you're right. This is who you are. And I'm going to give you another revelation at the b- bottom of this mountain of the kingdom. And the other revelation is my church. And he said, this is my church, ecclesia. This is my church, the called out ones. This is my plan. This is my Ephesians 3. These are my people that are my habitation. These are my people, Ephesians 3. They're my dwelling place. This is, these are my people, the ecclesia, the called out people, the different people. They're my dwelling place, Ephesians 3. They're my habitation, Ephesians 4. They're my people that are learned authority, coming under the head, and they grow with one another, speaking the truth in love. That's my ecclesia. 
That's my ecclesia. He said, there's a revelation, Peter. Here's my ecclesia. It's the bride of Christ, Ephesians 5. That's my bride. That's my bride. That's my bride that I wash with the word. That's my ecclesia. She's the bride. That's who he is, Peter. And Ephesians 6, Paul's revelation. That's my army. That's the warrior. That's the man-child. You're the one, my ecclesia. You're to become that man. You're to become that people. You're to become the one to stand against evil on the evil day. And having done all to stand, you're to stand. You're my ecclesia. You're to be my warrior. You're to be my standers in the gap. You're to be the ones that wrestle not against flesh or blood. You're that one. You're my ecclesia. You're the called out ones. That's the revelation of my church, he said. That's the progress of my church, he said. A dwelling place, a habitation. People under the headship and the authority of Jesus speaking the truth to one another in love and growing thereby. His bride built up in love and beautified by him that people are attracted. And his warrior, the stander in the earth against all this foolishness that Bush is talking about. Without the people of God, without the ecclesia, without the called out, without the church that are under the lordship of Jesus, without those people, that culture removed from this earth, it's going to fall. It's, it's the hell in the handbasket. But it's you that Christ made individually and corporately to be his church, the ones that stand in the gap, the ones that pierce the darkness, the ones that speak up when everything's going upside down, the ones that disagree. Paul said, we're always to submit to authority. That's a respect posture in the position that God gave. But to obey them, always know obedience belongs to God. Submission belongs to that position. Obedience belongs to Jesus. So whatever a man or a leader or, or a politician says, you must do this and you must do that. And when God says, respect them, but obey me. And you've got to shape up. And you've got to realize now that I've got to take a stand. And that's the, sec the third part of that revelation. Christ is the one. He's his church. is his ecclesia. And the third one is the way of the cross. Look at it. He said this. I'll finish this. My church in the gates of hell, the powers of eternal region, shall not overpower it. Say, it won't overpower the church. It won't overpower, it'll overpower religion. It'll squash it like a grape. But it won't overpower the revelation of Jesus Christ, the one, in your life, in my life, and as a corporate group. You're a culture of people. They can't take that away from you. Even if they killed you, they can't take it away from you. That's the order of the gospel. That's the order of the kingdom. It's not eating cotton candy every day and, and saying, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's a revelation. You're Lord, and I'm part of the ecclesia, and I'm going the way of the cross. That's the kingdom. I live not for myself. It's not about me. Say, it's not about me. It's about him and his furtherance through us. He said, it shall not overpower my church. It shall not overpower my ecclesia. It shall not overpower my people. It shall not overpower my standing warriors. It shall not overpower it. Ephesians, let's just go there for a moment. Ephesians 6. God's been wooing people. He's been telling people through the generations. And he releases a revelation. But then he also releases a vision for his people. And he delegates in that thing. And he brings divine reality in that thing. And we come under that thing. They come under it. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord 
Read it with me. In conclusion, be strong. That's a command. When he's saying that, it's just like saying, let there be light. Be strong. He's charging you. He's releasing something. You're not reading an empty scripture. There's an impact with what he's saying. Be strong. Be that. Be empowered through your union. Say union. That's fellowship. That's worship individually. But he's talking to a corporate man. He's talking about the Old Testament or the Revelations calls the man child that came out of the woman. He's talking about those people. Empower through your union with him. Draw your strength. Say draw your strength. From him. That strength which his boundless might provides. Next verse. Put on God's whole armor. The armor of a heavy armed soldier. Which God supplies. That you might be able to successfully. Say successfully. Like Butch said. Stuff's going on right here. But I'm succeeding. I'm succeeding because I'm strong in the Lord. By the power of his might. By being infused by him. By taking his direction. I'm prospering. Successfully to stand. Say stand. Up against all. Say all. The strategies, the trickeries, the deceptions. And as we're going through this fast and the discerning is here and the definition is here and the days of division are here, we're seeing clearer. And we're calling things black, black, white, white. Calling you false, calling you real. I, I encountered in, 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 in God, I was telling Anna, this man here that I just heard... He's got the spirit, he's got the revelation of David, but the nature of Saul. You see, man, God gives you the ability to see. Some of this church, some of you church, these people in this very house are very prophetic. Some of you will be seers. Some of you will have a lot of dreams, and I'm believing God for more dreams. And I'm getting more dreams, but I'm believing for the body of Christ and your function, your gift. God speaks through dreams, say dreams, visions, and revelation, and that's this kind of place. He opens things up, and you begin to see, and you don't get fooled. When Jesus comes into a place, he goes, hey, you're, this guy's a wolf. Hey, this guy's religious. Hey, when John the Baptist seen some things of the kingdom, he goes, wow, I see a beautiful thing in you. That's a heavenly dove. And then he looks at another person, he goes, wow, I see a snake in you. It's an amazing thing, but what a preservation for our lives, amen, and for the church. Some people, when they became so religious, they became so gullible. You know, we're not supposed to be so empty-minded and, you know what I mean, or so, so uh, we're narrow with Christ, but not just narrow-minded and, you know, no thinking, no perception, no discernment. Say it's the kingdom. And he said, put on the whole armor of God, the armor of the heavy-armed soldier. God supplies successfully to stand up against all, say all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Next verse. For we are not wrestling. Say, I'm not wrestling. I'm not wrestling with flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling it through a nation. Butch said it's true. When a nation throws God out, he said, I'll give you up to yourself. He said they would, when, when they would not worship God, when men and leaders in leadership would not respect the truth but suppress it, Paul said, when they would reject God and, and try to push him out of schools, which you can't do anyway. He's ruler of heaven and earth. We're going to push him out. He rules anyway. Whether you believe or you don't believe, he still is. So I'm going to push them out of school. But they do it. He said he gave them over to their own reprobate mind. He gave them. He said, okay, you, you, this is how you want it. This is how you got it. You, you reject me in this area. Here, have it your way. Reprobate mind. Darkened mind. Greater darkness. Men with men. Women with women. That's what he said. Say, that's the definition of the scripture, man. I can't just say, hey, I love Ellen DeGeneres. The definition of the scripture is this. I'm not a hater. I have so many people that I love that are uh, lesbians, homosexuals, and I'm, I want them to encounter and be free. 
I'm not a hater. But the kingdom and the definition is what it is. We can't let people alter it and change it. Change go- the, this government here changes rules all the time. A, a, a Muslim guy shoots a whole group of army guys and they say that it's a, uh, a workplace violence. No, it was terrorism. Huh? You got to define it how it's defined. You can't let people keep doing this. Look at nothing up my sleeve. Men that, that, that want to be actors, men that want to be cool, men that want to, they want to make a name for themselves, and they, they try to change labels and titles. They're not changing. That was a terrorist attack. That was terrorism. That wasn't a workplace violence. That's a twisting. That's calling good evil and evil good. No, I'm not going to go crazy start on that. I know. But that's an example. Say it's an example. I'm trying to be nice. Same in the church. Men, men that are Saul's. With a revelation of David. Hey, you are what you are. You got a chance to repent like everybody, all of us do. And as we enter this area of the kingdom, let every one of us say, God, you're revealing yourself at a, at a higher level. You're re- revealing yourself more with more dreams, more visions, more revelation of Jesus Christ as king, as the authority. One more, one more thing. I had this encounter this week. So loved it. I told Anna, I was, this man was on TV, and he, he had a PowerPoint, right? And, and he and he. he, he sent it and the guy sent it from upstairs and they twisted it all around and you know what it said i had to shake my head because god spoke in my heart it said it was supposed to say government government right so it goes like this how the guy goes can you shoot that up there and he wants to talk about government and he shoots it up there and it says govern men in a small t in the middle and god hit me in the heart that's what you do that's what i'm telling you to do govern men by the cross small t govern men by the cross keep governing men by the cross that's my kingdom god speaks it to you what do you think that does in my heart i don't forget who i am i don't forget what i do i'm telling you my story because it's your story whatever god's speaking to you that's eternal whatever he's awakening you to and he will you're not going to be able to be in, the, in, the, in this valley of indecision anymore. You're going to be slotted. Whether you choose it or not, he's going to slot you. You slot yourself by choosing or not choosing, bottom line. For we not wrestle flesh and blood, contend only against physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are, who are the world's rulers of this present darkness. Say present darkness. This present darkness. Remember we talked about that last week, how to pierce some of the darkness? In your individual life, but we're doing it as a body of Christ. That's why we're crying over these things. Listen, look at what Ezekiel says. It's an amazing thing. This scripture almost breaks me every time. Ezekiel 9, the fourth verse. I I barely got out of here and read it. And I go, my Lord, that's what we're going to do. This is your church. This is what we do. You have a place in the earth. That's why we assemble together. We're not pretenders. We're assemblers. And he says in 9.4, And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. In its midst. That's what we were doing this week. Tell your neighbor, you're that man, you're that woman, or you're that, you're that man, you're that woman. You're the one that was at the altar crying for the abominations over this nation. See, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with God because I, I got a thing happening that I can just put it together really easy. Oh, abominations. I just didn't do it. <laughs> no, I, I really, I, I, didn't, I didn't break it up with a thing. I just kind of like, I was trying to lead it out there. He said he cried over the ob- abominations. 
I just said the word. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, it, it's, it's becoming more evident, and, and leaders are becoming more evident. And God, like I said, God's visiting people, man, and, and, and they're burning bushes coming. They're awakening. Those guys that were on the backside of the desert, if that was your life, whatever side, if you were on the backside, your burning bush is coming, man. You're going to see something. You're going to see some light. You're going to feel some flame. And God said, I didn't forget you. I called you for this time, for this order, and this kingdom. That's what I did. And you got a divine calling. Yeah, you, you do your daily affairs. You do your nine to fives. But I called you. I called you before your mother's womb. I called you to be this. I made you that. And you won't be satisfied until you're in that and fulfilling that and walking in that. And then leave this earth saying, I ran my race. A lot of you are doing it already. A lot of you are doing it, the kingdom of God and the earth. I, I heard, uh, I, I won't say anything because, you know, you can't, you got to be very careful. But I heard a great testimony from an individual about uh, one individual began to communicate with them and, and, uh, and with religious jargon. And they said, I can't hold my peace. I can't hold myself. That they're, they're using scripture to excuse themselves. I got to tell them the truth. This is a younger generation. And they give them the word. And they said, this is, though you say this, this is the kingdom and how it operates. And this is what it has to take to have change. And then they write back with an offense saying, well, you don't understand. And that's always the offense. Well, you don't understand. How about you need us to bow and repent? You don't understand. Why is it always you don't understand? Let me think about it. Let me have an option about it. How about it's laid out before you. God just visited you. The very God that you say you serve. Here he is. And people, and he's saying, like, how do you like me now? And you're saying, I, I just repent. That person would progress if they would repent. Let me change your mind. Just agree with God. My God. He is either God or he isn't. If he is, he is. And he is anyway. Agree. The master spirits who are in the world, rulers, it goes on. Supernatural sphere. Next verse. Therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist. Say resist. Say I'm not taking it in, right? I'm not anybody's sucker. I'm a discerner. Say I'm not anybody's sucker. I'm a discerner. Sucker of the candy. So Beth, don't correct me. (laughs) that you you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger say i'm in an evil day yeah and god's going to use you he's going to use those davids in in that in that situation he's going to use you in that situation you're going to have to stand up and that and you want to decide now seriously you want to make a decision now you don't want to go in there and say i think i won't No, make your decision now you know uh, there was a song years ago we used to always sing i have decided i'm going to take a stand i have decided Thus far and no more, I've decided. We need to decide about some convictions that we have. And no matter what changes in government, we're under his government, right? Yeah, here goes, that goes out in the tape. Here they come, right? Craig was found asleep. (laughs) How that happened, we don't know. (laughs) He stubbed his toe. He had an injection mark in his toe. Now that's conspiracy, easy, easy. (laughs) Huh? That's what I do, right? Yeah, you're right. Thank you, Tom. Send them out. (laughs) Stand firmly in your place. Next verse. Stand, therefore. Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity. Integrity. Say integrity. It got lost somewhere. Integrity. People just used to go to work because you're supposed to. And the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. People used to just go in 9 to 5 and show up. They didn't always call up. It's Monday and 
I don't think I can come because I, my head hurts because I drank all weekend. Huh? Integrity. My, my mom's generation had it. They go to work all the time. I remember my mom working in the canneries in, in uh, Monterey, California, and uh, telling stories with her sisters with flus and viruses, and they had to go, they went to work. They worked in that place, whatever, just cutting fish, doing what they did. They didn't have excuses. They got it done. They, say, this generation, right? It's got to change. It's got to change. This generation went into evolution. And then they went into, like, government take care of me always. It was made to help people that were really hurting that system. It was made for people, to, but instead people took advantage of it. <laughs> they, 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 I, I went to a place that almost made me so angry, I, 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 I almost sinned. Went to a place we call it, not adoption centers, but uh, what do you call those people? Foster care. I went, we, me and you went and fed, it was a holiday or something, we fed a bunch of these little kids. Oh, I love this little kid, this, this little guy, he had like high tops, red shoes. I don't know if his name was Tyrone, I think it was. I loved him, I wanted to take him home. Because the people he was with, they, they got Tyrone. And you listen to them and you watch them, they got them because they got a paycheck. And they were lazy people. And I said, bless your heart, Tyrone. I wish you, I want you out of here. And that's people who are twisting the system, right? So then all, because people do that and, and they don't have integrity, 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 they start twisting it. And so then the whole thing changes because of a few people that abuse it. More than a few now. There's more that do than don't take it the right way. I've known some of them. I heard them. And some of them name the name of Christ. Well, you know what? If I take these food stamps and I do this and I do that, and they milk the whole system. Because they quit the integrity, how God made a man and woman to live, character, to walk it out, go to work, do your job. People can trust you. Integrity is a rarity. I hear from business kids all the time, men, men that are handling $20 million. I heard from a kid the other day, a, a man of God. I shouldn't say a kid. And the guy over him has, has less integrity than he has. And I marvel. I go, hey, man, I used to marvel a lot. Now I go, no, it's almost normal. But God set it up that his people with integrity, they're going to go up. Amen? That's how people prosper when they follow God's way, his character. Integrity. Say integrity. And moral restitude and right standing with God. Next verse. Is that it? Okay. And having shod your feet with the preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Amen. Shoot me back, Tom, to Matthew, and I'm going to wrap it up. 16, I was, I was somewhere about flesh and blood, and I was somewhere about the ecclesia of God, and I was about to go to the next level, which is his cross. That's the bottom of Mount Hermon we're talking about. That's the beginning of the revelation of his kingdom. Those things that he requires of us. Amen? I don't see how anyone's not going to go that way anyway because he's eternal in you and he's going to push and push and his grace is going to push you. I was telling uh, Josh the other day the definition, say, the, of the scripture. Not of theologians, but of what is written. Paul said in the 15th chapter of Corinthians, I am what I am by the grace of God. Say the grace of God. That's unmerited favor, right? We know that, right? But he's saying grace is something that lives in me and I labor. Say, I labor. More than they all by that grace. See, that's, that's the scripture's definition of grace. Uh, sometimes religious definition of grace is I could do whatever I want to 
because I'm covered and that's no. He said, no, grace is a living person and grace says to labor with me. So I labor with grace. It's an oxymoron, but you do. Okay, last verse, 19. And I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, right? Revelation, with every revelation, you get a, a key to the kingdom. Peter's key was of a different order. That key was to open up some things that, that 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. That was that key. But you get a key. Every time you get a revelation, you get a key to succeed in your life. You, that revelation comes a key to enter further. Remember what I said? A, a man of God once said, every tribulation is an opportunity to, to enter the kingdom. That's what Paul said was the man of God, but the man quoted it. And he says, uh, the keys of the heaven and whatever you bind declare improper and unlawful. And that means in prayer, right? Say prayer. But that also means in issues of life, right? You know, somebody comes and says, I'm going to take this from you and take that. You go, no, I declare it to be unprofitable and unlawful. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not biblical and it's not constitutional. I know, here we go. Easy, boy, easy. Stay with Christ and his kingdom. And whatever you loose and declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Next verse. Then he sternly, say sternly. Sternly, say sternly. See, those are, those are verbiages of, God, of Christ in the kingdom. Sternly and strictly, say strictly, charged and warned the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. I'm still looking into that revelation because he says it right there. Tell no one that. And that's at the bottom of revelation at the kingdom. Next chapter 17, maybe we'll get into it. He's at the top of the mountain, and there's that transfiguration. And he gets done, and he goes, tell no one. And he goes, tell no one that, that I'm, I'm this right now. And he goes, tell no one when he's on top of transfiguration, tell no one what you just saw, the manifestation of the coming kingdom. And, and I go, why? Why? And the best I got is because he said, don't say it until my resurrection. Because people who don't have the resurrection, they're not going to understand that revelation. If you don't have the uh, resurrection life in you, you're not going to understand the revelation. See, that's what makes me happy with Sam. He doesn't, he doesn't have to have the knowledge, but he's got resurrection. So he understands the revelation. That's a big deal. So the Lord, that's the best I got right now. The Lord said, I, don't tell them because of my resurrection. Don't, on the kingdom, on the hill, don't tell them that because if they don't have resurrection, they're not going to get that revelation. Say, God. Wow, thank you, Arthur. Say, God. <laughs> Say, God, I've got resurrection. Therefore, you can count on me and give me revelation. Yeah. And, uh. Let's go on one more verse, and, and you're going to see that the next thing, what is, I'm going to summarize it. From that time on, poor Jesus began to clear, clearly to show his disciples that he must go through Jerusalem and suffer, say suffer, many things at the hands of elders and high priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised from the dead. Next verse. And then Peter took him aside, and it goes on. Somewhere in there, it begins to talk about your life, self-life, and all that, the way of the cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow. So summary. Let's stand to our feet. We, we get a, the, at the bottom of the revelation of the kingdom, at the bottom of Mount Hermon, we get a revelation of who he is. Say who he is. Lord and Christ. Then we get a revelation of his church and why it's born in the earth. And then we get a revelation of the way that we're to walk this thing out. Loving not our own lives. Taking up our cross and following. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of this? Then give God thanks. Oh, you got something. Hold on. Hold your clap. Hold your clap. <laughs> really fast. I know you're standing. I know it's after 12. We've been fasting. Everybody wants to go eat. But I just wanted to say quickly, because you mentioned about uh, the word awake a few times. And I know in here, there are times when, you know, God will awake you. 
But I heard this actually during our fast this week. We, we didn't watch TV, but if we did, it had to be like a God, someone preaching or something. And this one guy was talking about how, um, I guess he said it was you know, a military thing as far as, he said in wartime, if during your watch you fell asleep, you could be like executed. Because you're putting the whole camp or the whole place in danger. And they spoke about uh, not just being awake, but staying awake. You know, God could come in here on a day like this in the corporate assembly and bring a blast and just awaken you. And some of that went on today. And if that didn't awaken you, you're, you're beyond sleeping, I have to say. But so whose responsibility is to stay awake? It's got to be mine to keep believing, to continue in the faith, to stay awake, to keep myself awake and alert. And you do do that through being in his word and meditating his word, muttering his word. The word meditate means to revolve, just like something that's revolving. So you go over it and over it and over it again. And I I thought I even saw something. I'll I'll share something about last night when we concluded. We came in here to pray, and I felt like I just saw something about Noah because of something that happened. But we came in here, and at the end, uh, Jimmy had us all just gather around here in a circle. We held hands. We lifted our voices together as one man. We thank God for that which he did accomplish and will accomplish through our obedience to his, his uh, prompting us to fast and to pray, to seek his face especially. Because, you know, we, we do this, I mean, all the time as far as praying and seeking him. But during a fast, you are especially consecrating yourself for a season, for a time. And so we were here and we were standing and holding hands. And then Jimmy said something about kneeling. So we knelt down. And many of us began to just say, God, we bow before you. We bow before you. Some of us had our foreheads to the ground. And Sarah was over here. Were you sitting on the pew? Was she sitting? You were on the ground too. And Noah was right by her. And he was watching. He was observing. And all of a sudden, we just heard him. He let out this little shriek. He just went, oh, and began to cry. And the reason was, we found it later, is because he thought we were all sad. You know, he thought we were sad. So he is so sensitive, and so maybe that was misread you know, because of his age, but I see him in the future as one that will bear that mark, as one who will sigh and will cry out because of seeing things going on around him. He has such a sensitivity at a young age, and we're going to see that develop. And it was, it was just so precious when it happened. But just remember, it's not just being awake, church. It's staying awake. And as for me, I plan on keeping myself awake, alert. He said, could you not tarry one hour? But keeping myself awake, awake, awake. Amen. Now you can clap. (laughs) Amen.